Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And in this episode, we're going to be considering the book of Lamentations, which is one that has given little attention, but is a personal favor of mine. It is the second book written by Jeremiah, and follows the book that bears his name. The book of Lamentation deals with an event that Jeremiah had prophesied extensively and pleadingly about among his people, the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar in 587-586 BC. It was written from an eyewitness standpoint by one who felt so very deeply the suffering of the conquered people, and yet one who understood fully the circumstances and the reasons that had led to the fall. One of the most basic and fundamental lessons to be learned from the book of Jeremiah is that all national deterioration and disaster is fundamentally due to the disregarding and disobeying of God. The book of Lamentations brings that point home in an incredibly graphic way. Before we begin to notice how that lesson is illustrated, let's notice first of all the unusual structure of the book itself. Now, this is not so apparent in English, but it is very apparent in Hebrew. The book of Lamentations is written in acrostic form, and I'll explain what that means. Each of the chapters consists of a short poem. Each chapter has 22 verses except the middle one, which has 66, exactly three times the number of the others. This is because there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and the verses of these poems run successively through the alphabet, each verse beginning in order with one of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. The reason why the third poem has 66 verses instead of 22 is that it runs in triplets of verses. Each of the first three verses beginning with the first letter of the alphabet, each of the next three verses beginning with the second letter of the alphabet, each of the next three verses beginning with the third letter of the alphabet, and so on, taking 66 verses to run through the entire Hebrew alphabet. In the fifth, final, and shortest poem, the acrostic style is not continued, although it still contains 22 verses. It is an unusual but striking style of writing. Let us turn now to the substance of the book. Jerusalem has been destroyed. Zedekiah, the last king of Judah, but so appointed by Nebuchadnezzar, has suffered a terrible fate as a result of the actions he had taken. We'll turn to Jeremiah chapter 55 and look at verses 5. Excuse me, let's make that Jeremiah chapter 52, verses 5 through 11, to see what that fate was. 
The passage tells us, So the city was under siege until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. On the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. Then the city was broken into, and all the men of war fled and went forth from the city at night by the way of the gate between the two walls, which was by the king's garden, though the Chaldeans were all around the city. And they went by the way of Arabah. But the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered from him. Then they captured the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah in the land of Hamath, and he passed sentence on him. And the king of Babylon slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes, and he also slaughtered all the princes of Judah in Riblah. Then he blinded the eyes of Zedekiah, and the king of Babylon bound him with bronze fetters and brought him to Babylon and put him in prison until the day of his death. The temple was destroyed. The walls of the city torn down. And Jeremiah 52 verses 15 and 16 tells us what became of the people. Then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away into exile some of the poorest of the people. The rest of the people who were left in the city, the deserters who had deserted to the king of Babylon, and the rest of the artisans. But Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, left some of the poorest of the land to be vine dressers and plowmen. What was it that brought this once great people and this once great city to such a horrible level of destruction, desolation, and despair? Jeremiah tells us plainly in a number of passages in the book of Lamentations. Let us remember that Judah fell and that there were a number of reasons that precipitated this calamitous historical event. Let us go now to the book of Lamentations. In Lamentations chapter 1 and verse 3 we read, Judah has gone into exile under affliction and under harsh servitude. She dwells among the nations but she has found no rest. All her pursuers have overtaken her in the midst of distress. What was it that brought such a sad state to pass? Well, looking at verse 8, we find, Jerusalem sinned greatly, therefore she has become an unclean thing. All who honored her despise her, because they have seen her nakedness. Even she herself groans and turns away. What was involved in the sins of Jerusalem and the people? What had they done to bring about such horrific destruction? Well, look at verse 18 of the same chapter. For the Lord is righteous, for I have rebelled against his command. Hear now, all peoples, and behold my pain. My virgins and my young men have gone into captivity. Judah had turned its ear from the commandments of the Lord. The leaders of the people refused to listen to the words of the Lord. They refused even to have the word of God around, as illustrated by King Jehoiakim burning the scroll that contained the prophecies of Jeremiah. Looking at chapter 2 and verse 14 of Lamentations, we find, Your prophets have seen for you false and foolish visions, and they have not exposed your iniquity so as to restore you from captivity. But they have seen for you false and misleading oracles. 
the prophets of the city were to bear the blame as well. Through their false and foolish visions, they had helped to bring this calamity upon the people. They prophesied vanity. They cried, peace, peace, when there was no peace. But make no mistake, the people loved to have it so. Those responsible for the spiritual leadership of the people had failed, and they had failed miserably. Looking at chapter 4 and verse 13, Jeremiah cried, Because of the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests, who have shed in her midst the blood of the righteous. Put it all together and we can easily see that the destruction had been brought upon the people of Judah by their earthly leaders, by their spiritual leaders, and by the people themselves. They had practically all sinned against God and turned their backs on his will. So that there would be no mistake as to the source of their punishment, Jeremiah clearly pointed out that they were being punished by God. Looking at Lamentations chapter 2 and verse 5, we are told, The Lord has become like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all its palaces. He has destroyed its strongholds and multiplied in the daughter of Judah, mourning and moaning. Looking at chapter 4 and verse 11, The Lord has accomplished his wrath. He has poured out his fierce anger. And he has kindled a fire in Zion which has consumed its foundations. Even as the people were rebelling against God, they carried on with the outward forms of worship. But it was a worship from a defiled heart, and it did not serve to please God, but actually kindled his wrath even more. What could possibly make us think that he would accept such now? He would not have vain or false worship, and he took steps to eliminate it and those who engaged in it. Again, we go to chapter 2, this time verses 6 and 7. And he has violently treated his tabernacle like a garden booth. He has destroyed his appointed meeting place. The Lord has caused to be forgotten the appointed feast and Sabbath in Zion. And he has despised king and priest in the indignation of his anger. The Lord has rejected his altar. He has abandoned his sanctuary. He has delivered into the hand of the enemies the walls of her palaces. They have made a noise in the house of the Lord as in the day of an appointed feast. That such should have happened in the worship of the people was simply inexcusable. Over 100 years prior to this time, Isaiah had warned of such things such vain and empty worship offered by those who were themselves defiled. The outward form of worship is nothing if it is offered from a heart that is not right, from a heart that is simply going through the motions, and it is in fact infuriating to God. Remember Isaiah chapter 1 verses 11 through 14 and what that great prophet wrote about such worship. It is incredibly powerful and ought to make all of us sit up and take notice. Isaiah wrote, What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle, and I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. 
new moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. So there could be no mistake. That which came upon Judah and the capital city of Jerusalem was of God. It did not come unexpectedly or without warning. They had been told and warned again and again, but chose to ignore the teaching and the warning. When God acted, his punishment was severe. History tells us that the siege of Jerusalem by the Babylonians lasted for one and one-half years. The tactic used was to cut off the supply lines and slowly starve the people of the city. It was a tactic that worked, and Jeremiah tells how successful and how severe it was in Lamentations chapter 4, verses 4 through 10. It is almost too much to read. The passage says, The tongue of the infant cleaves to the roof of its mouth because of thirst. The little ones ask for bread, but no one breaks it for them. Those who ate delicacies are desolate in the streets. Those reared in purple embrace ash pits. For the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the sin of Sodom, which was overthrown as in a moment, and no hands were turned toward her. Her consecrated ones were purer than snow. They were whiter than milk. They were more ruddy in body than corals. Their polishing was like lapis lazuli. Their appearance is blacker than soot. They are no longer recognized in the streets. Their skin is shriveled on their bones. It is withered. It has become like wood. Better are those slain with the sword than those slain with hunger, for they pine away, being stricken for lack of the fruits of the field. The hands compassionate women boil their own children. They become food for them because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. This was an event the like of which has been seldom seen in the earth. It was brought about because the people of Judah, from the greatest to the least, chose to turn a deaf ear to the words of the Lord. They chose to turn their backs and ignore his pleadings and warnings and to mistreat and punish his true prophets. This book is a lament that comes from the broken heart of one who cared deeply for his people who were suffering so, going through the very things that he told them were coming. Yet, even in the midst of this tear-drenched lament, there is hope. Five times in the middle passage of chapter 3, we find the word hope. We'll go there now and read chapter 3, verses 18 through 32. It says, So I say, My strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I have hope in him. 
The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent since he has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. Let him be filled with reproach. For the Lord will not reject forever. For he causes grief. Then he will have compassion according to the abundant love and kindness. How can this hope be realized for them as they are carried away into Babylonian captivity? Well, we look at chapter 40 or verse 40 of the same chapter. Let us examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. Jeremiah knew that the Lord was good. He could see a deliverance in the future and indeed a remnant would return. How the hope was only in God and would only be found by turning again to the Lord, then that hope could be realized. Lamentation stands as a warning to all of the consequences of turning from God. I believe that this is true on an individual level, certainly, but also on a national level. In God there is hope. Turn away from Him and there is ultimately only destruction and desolation. The Book of Lamentations. What a wonderful book it is, and yet what a difficult book to read as it tells us of the destruction of God's people in the city of Jerusalem in the temple. Thanks for listening.